You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Sorry, my radiation went a little bit longer. That's one thing I don't think we can be mad at you for, Derek. <laughs> That's the best excuse we've ever received. <laughs> uh, Bracken, do you see what uh, shirt Rubis is wearing today? I do. I did it for you, Kurt. I appreciate that, man. I gave you that cutoff shirt, uh, what was it, two years ago in Arizona, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost wore a matching whitewater singlet to one that that you got from i still have it i still have it but i was too cold after my shower i had to put on a long sleeve (laughs) hey hey derek i have a question for you do you have like a fan running in the background or something yeah why uh because we're getting a lot of that audio if i turn if you turn that off are you gonna cook in there uh i can turn that off and we got uh uh robo going (laughs) you got the robot vacuum Let's see if let's see if that let's see if it fixes it. Because I think that might be a little loud, don't you, Bracken? Maybe. Oh yeah. Is that better or no? It's the robot vacuum. Yeah, I think it's the robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Much better. Yeah, I think that's better. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I shut the door for Robo. Our little vacuum cleaner. It's like a uh, tailored cleaning service you have over there, huh? Yeah. We have one of those too. In fact, we had to get a new one this year. Our old one finally, finally got the red blink of death going, so we replaced it. Yeah. So where, so where are you at, Rubis? So when, so we're gonna have to give a little backstory on you, but I just want to know where you, where you're living currently. You're down in Arizona still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, Santan Valley. Is that outside of Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, it's about an hour outside of Phoenix. Well, you you hurt Bracken in my feelings without knowing it. Do you want to know how? Why? Because you left the great state of Wisconsin. I know, I know, I know. Why? Well, I was supposed to uh, go to Eugene, Oregon and work for Nick Simmons, but that didn't pan out, so, yeah. So you just diverted to Arizona? Yeah, well, that's where my parents were living. uh, uh, living. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Now, I didn't realize, I thought you were in Flagstaff. No, I, I didn't realize you were there because I was just outside of Phoenix a little while back in surprise. Yeah, we could have hooked up for a run. Yeah, not right at the moment because I'm running inside. All runs are inside at the moment. Yeah, because I have to be close to a bathroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So are you on the treadmill now or an indoor track? No, no, just running around the house. Oh my goodness! So what does that Wait, look I, like? <laughs> yeah, describe this to me. Yeah, it's it sucks. Like around the uh, the perimeter of the house, no, or inside it, it, on the hallway, in in inside. How how big of what's your biggest open space you have inside that you run around? Uh, we have a big uh, bathroom, in the master bathroom. Yeah, so not very big, huh? How many laps to a mile in the Rubis house? I have no clue. Oh, you got to map that out. Yeah. There's 97 laps to the mile at the in the Crocker Mile around my parents' living room. Yeah, so I have no clue. Okay. So are you going pretty stir-crazy doing that then, or, or how are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, 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 because the one street that I go, go on, I uh, 
I almost started crying because I can't be on that street anymore. Mm. How yeah. come? How come you can't be on that street anymore? Just because it's too far from the house? Well, because I have to be closer to bathrooms, and the bathrooms are so far away mm. from each other, yeah. When you say you're running inside the house, how long are you running for? Um, it, de- it depends on the workouts, probably between an hour to an hour and a half. Hour to an hour and a half inside of the house in the master bathroom? It, it, no, all around the house. All around the house. Oh, the master bath is just the biggest room. Yeah, master bath. Uninterrupted. Is yeah. Have you ever done that? I'm trying to think if I've done something like that in a pinch. Closest I've done is the stair workout at my parents' house. Three flights of stairs. I've done a stair workout, too, at my own home. Yep. But never, never consecutive workouts. Yeah. Now, before we... Uh, I have one last question, Kirk. Well, so, yeah, so do I. I guess I'm wondering, like, how you gauge your efforts... Doing something. Okay, I have many questions then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just go, I just, uh, I do what they used to call the Badger Miles. Mm hmm. So a seven minute mile pace and and stuff like that. So yeah. Every seven minutes, you count it as a mile. Yeah. Yep. Which is a misogynistic system because they count eight minute for women. Yeah. But when I look at the Strava segments around here, I think we need to flip that for a lot of the women in Milwaukee area. Derek, you are a mileage hog, I would say. Would you yeah. agree with that? Yeah. You you don't like running less than 100 miles a week. So what has this done to that? Are you still hitting volume inside? Yeah. Yeah, I am. 100 miles worth of minutes indoors. What kind of surface is the floor? Are we talking carpet, linoleum? Wood. Wood. Uh, wood. wood? Yeah. So you're just running the regular shoes? Yeah. And they let you scuff it up? Yeah. Wow. That's love right there. <laughs> That's love right oh. there. I want to – how many questions you have about this, Bracken? Because I want to I get to – I want to get to your who you are as a human, um, Derek, because I actually personally don't know a lot of the answers to the questions I'll ask. So, um, okay. Derek, Bracken, is, I see you want to jump in. Yeah. The, just, just this last one, which is my famous last word. <laughs> but – Derek, you're also not notorious just for being a mileage hog, but you let people write your training for you. Yeah. And it's like a, a, a buffet. It's just a la carte. One person writes two weeks. Kirk's written two weeks of yours. I've written two weeks of your workout. You just outsource it. All right. You're writing my workouts this week. Boom. Yeah. So are you still hitting workout workouts indoor? Like, are you hitting tempos and intervals and yeah. long runs? Yeah. So give what have you done this week? Tell me what this week has done. Uh, this week... Uh... I did so so far. I've done an eighteen miler inside. Ugh. Then a twelve and a four on Monday. Tuesday was a twelve mile workout, which was a three mile warm up, and then two sets of five times one k. With uh, the first set being two minutes rest, second set three minutes rest, and then three three mile cool down, and then four minute, minute rest. Four four miles last last night and then uh, thirteen this morning before my radiation. My goodness, are you basing all that off the seven minute mile then when you go yeah. to radiation? Yeah. Now see now I have more questions. I <laughs> well it's just I mean I just like God it's just like a testament of dedication it just like blows yeah. my mind. 
Well, it's my, it's my, it's been my savior since this whole thing started. I have people bitching and moaning. They live in the fucking mountains, Derek, and I can't get them to go out and do a six mile run. And here you are up and down the hallway, and it's just like it's perspective, man. It's uh, it's inspiring in a way. But I, I want to know, like, you're turning back and forth constantly inside. Like, are your ankles and knees and hips getting trashed from this have you dealt with any like strange overuse injuries no not not none <laughs> how long did it take before this was normal for the other people in the house or they just realized yeah we just it's like a pet we just stay out of his way while he's running yeah yes uh, since i started uh, started the radiation and everything i'm like i can't go anywhere uh because i have to be close to the bathroom when I have to go, so yeah. Well, my plan was Kirk would probably introduce you today. Okay. The only thing I was going to add to his description, if he didn't say it, is that Derek Rubis is the biggest fan of running that I've ever met in my life. And if your little self-made intro here didn't <laughs> completely support that, I don't know what else could. You're running 100-mile weeks while doing radiation inside your home running 1,000-meter intervals, 18-mile-long runs, all inside a self-contained home. Nobody loves running more than Derek Rubis. Yeah. Would you fight Bracken on that statement, or do you agree? I agree. Well, um, well why don't I introduce you, I suppose? Is that okay? I'm Go right gonna... ahead. I'd rather have Kurt over Bracken. <laughs> <laughs> He thinks he's real funny there. Well, see, yeah, so does. Derek and I Snapchat every day, which I don't think you you and Bracken Snapchat every day. Didn't we have a streak going of like almost yeah. one or 200 days, and then I yeah. I ruined it because I didn't Snapchat you back? Yeah. Yeah. And I bet he let you know about it. No, you were actually cool about it. I didn't have service. I was away, and Derek's like, oh, no, we lost our streak, and it was like 200-some days. Um, God, I'm going to keep distracting myself. What's your longest Snapchat? chat streak you have going with somebody right now uh one of the guys i coached at carol we had over a thousand oh my goodness well i'm chump change then i guess (laughs) no you're still you're still my fair person so don't worry oh start um so so derek so derek um i became aware of you i don't know it wasn't while i was running in college it was after college because i don't think you were following as closely when I was in college back in like 2001 to 2005. Um, but I made aware because you, you honestly randomly added me as a friend on Facebook and then we started interacting. You're very interactive on social media and I became aware of you. And then um, you became a fan of mine, I will say, without like me really deserving it. You know, like I'm just doing my thing and you happen to to sort of wedge your way into my daily feed. And pretty soon I was like, I like this guy. Like Derek Rubis is spreading nothing but positivity and support to every single damn runner I know, including myself. You didn't know me from Adam, yet you were giving me words of encouragement for without absolutely any prompting. I knew you from Bachelorette. Oh, is that, oh, is that <laughs> That's what That's how it you is? found Kurt? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my running prowess, Rubis. <laughs> yeah, you and Ryan Sider. Oh, yeah, because he's an endurance athlete as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, and and I had the confidence, like I never had, to, he was in the, we were in uh, Colorado, 
in the Edwards at the restaurant, and I went right over to him and talked to him. And I never had that confidence before to do that. Did you name drop Kirk, or did you just plow right in with the running? No, I, I, I just said I'm a huge, huge fan of yours, and I, I, I never had the confidence to meet a celebrity like this, and I, I, I wanted to meet you. Was he a nice guy? I assume he was. He's the ni- nicest guy ever. Okay. So I guess it's the Bachelorette. Wah, wah. That you <laughs> Well, I uh, met Derek running. Kirk, how about that? I got nothing on you, man. <laughs> so so bringing this kind of to today, I guess what I want to do is, so for like the last, what, seven, eight years, Rubus. And are you okay if we call you Rubus or do you prefer Derek? Yeah. Okay. I don't care. Okay. Well, you've been following elite distance running um, probably closer than anybody that I know first, second, third hand or hearsay. Um, you have managed to become friends with Olympic champions with OCR athletes, which I know is new to you with, uh, with renowned bodybuilders, with people who are like in the athletic spotlight and somehow like through us appreciating your support, you have now gotten the support of everybody in turn. And I bet you feel that right now with your health struggles. Yeah. So, so it's just like a really, it's a really cool point we've come to in which like you have blindly supported me and Bracken and other people, athletes much better than us, self admittedly (laughs) very fast people. Um, and then with your recent diagnosis of colon cancer, the pour out from the running community to you has been astounding. Like I could not believe the support and love and comments I mean, I think we say I love you, brother, every day on Snapchat to each other. I don't know how many yeah. guys you have that going on with. And so so I just thought like, you know, and, and then I guess to bring this complete, you made a post a few weeks ago. And now that you're going through radiation and everything, um, and obviously you're putting things into perspective, you said you had like a top 20 wish list for the year. Yeah. And number two on that list was to be on the Running Public podcast. Yeah. I don't know who number one is. So I'm calling them up. But that's why you're here, Rubis, and we're happy to have you. Thank you. I was introduced to Rubis when I was running in college at Whitewater. Derek was, I don't even know where you were located at the time, but it was somewhere in the greater Milwaukee area. Waukesha. Waukesha at the time, yeah. You were at every indoor meet. You ran as many races as anyone I had ever seen, but you weren't on a university team. You'd show up and you'd run attached every single time. And I felt like you were doubling in a lot of meets. You were just racing and racing and racing. And everyone knew Rubis. I And I had transferred in back from out of state. So I came in and you already had your pre-existing like fan base there. But you were just that guy who'd show up and run the 3K indoor and would run 5K. And just run and run and run. And And you slowly transformed over the years from that guy who runs all the Wisconsin WEAC indoor meets, and I'm sure plenty others in the area, Yeah, to the guy that I see out uh, on Hayward Field, Hayward Field, talking with Nick Simmons, and the guy standing next to Centrowitz in pictures, and then the guy training uh, with NAU, and the guy who's got people from Ole Miss sending them singlets signed, and suddenly it's like every D1 program has run with Rubis or sent Rubis a singlet and every Olympic runner has a picture with you. And 
your thing is always send me a tank top, send me a singlet, you know, if we have some sort of connection. And you have them from everyone who's ever been anyone in the running world now. And it's not even just America. So it's just like, it's wild to me that I met you probably in 2008. Yeah. And you're still just you, except now every single person who's ever met anyone in the running world in the U.S., yeah, it's like it's like six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, except with Jared <laughs> Rubis. Everyone has a connection, and they don't need six connections to get to you. It's one or two maximum. Like, you are the binding force of USA running, and it's just wild that this, this guy from Waukesha who is just running unattached is you have all access anywhere you want to go now. Mm-hmm. And that's what Macaulay, my brother, sent me a message one time. He said, you see what Rubis is up to now? And it just struck me. You have an all-access pass to anywhere in the running world you want to go. And I want to get into all of that today. Let's do it. Um, okay, so let's get a few sort of facts about you, Rubis. H- how old are you? 42. 42, and you grew up in Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Schofield, then Wausau, and then down to uh, Waukesha. Okay, actually, I'm going to interrupt myself real quick. I-, I don't like people who name drop I think that's ridiculous, but this is going to be an exception, Derek. I want to know, like, just of the the high level runners, like, there's a chance you might be the most famous runner in in the land, which sounds kind of crazy, probably to hear, but we all know you. And I'm known in 13 different countries as well. Like, so who are some of the names that people at home might recognize who you interact with on like a daily or weekly basis? Who, like, you would consider some of your friends in the elite distance running world? I don't even know if you can. The list is probably long, but yeah, um, a lot of the NAU guys, the Old Miss guys, um, Cooper Tier, um, some of the guy, British guys like Thomas Stein and uh, Nick Simmons. Yeah. Okay. And then and then my D three team that I helped coach. Mm-hmm. I keep in contact with them. Okay. Um, cool. Well. You didn't mention Kirk to win a Bracken Crocker, but yeah, okay. and you, Kirk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Derek is has a small axe to grind with me because our only <laughs> our only day we spent sunrise to sunset together was at the distance decathlon back in the day. That was the best ever. It was a great day, but he was not a happy camper by the end of it. <laughs> I know he's just been getting me back over the years for that event. Yeah. What was that event, Derek? <laughs> It was it was the decathlon that Bracken uh, started, and I saw it on Facebook, and I'm like, I I have to do this because it, it's Bracken and support him, and yeah. I I started a a first annual that only went one year long distance decathlon, and I <laughs> opened it to all WEAC athletes. My super senior year of of college, I. Uh, invited anyone who had ever competed 800 meters or longer as one of their primary events to do a, deca- a modified decathlon. It was an all-day event, event one weekend after track, like two weeks after nationals. And I went and raided the athletic room at Whitewater, the cages back there, of all their extra apparel and plaques and random trophies that had never been given out and just had bins of stuff. And we gave away prizes for everything. 
singlets from 1950 and then all-american plaques and randoms you've mentioned this before and i still have this i still have the speed suit you gave me yep derek i gave out a speed suit to derek for one of his performances do you ever run in it uh no because it still has that hole right by the crotch (laughs) area you remember that bracken (laughs) oh yeah Oh, yes, I what do. A, what a gift. So you made a bunch of distance runners do the decathlon events, and then you were scared. Not made. Allowed them to. Okay. <laughs> it, the, 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 it was a totally self-serving fun thing. It was like a cookout slash decathlon, and to find out who the greatest athlete of the distance runners was. And I don't know. We probably had 20 or 30 people come out and just all got sunburnt and tried shot put and discus and javelin and hurdles and steeplechase and high jump, long jump, triple jump. We did it all. Yeah. Okay. But that was my, that was the most time I had spent with Derek up until that point. Okay. All right. Well, um, so, so bring us back, Rubis. I, I know you listen to the podcast a little bit, so you have an idea how this goes, but, um, I don't know, like, like when did you start running and how did you get into all of this? And like, can you walk us through that? Like the beginnings yeah. of, of your running and all of that? I started in sixth grade cause they had just sixth grade run and everybody was doing it. And then between my sixth and seventh grade year, uh, I went to the doctors and found out that I had it. And I have a, this is, I, your audience probably just won't hear this. Our audience has heard the worst of everyone. I had one testicle removed, so they said, no contact sports for me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started in running and whatnot. But, and then I did it when I was help coach at Waukesha West for four years. I did a few triathlons. And then a couple of years, I was so burnt out on it that I gave it, gave it up. And just went into weightlifting and all that stuff. And then, then, then I saw Nick Simmons, I mean not Nick Simmons, uh, Chris Linsky run a race on TV. And I'm like, I got to get back into this. So it's because of him I'm back on this. And ever since then I've been. So you had a big hiatus in running. Yeah, about two to two and a half years. So did you did you not compete for your middle like where you went to school or anything or how like did you ever formally compete for somebody? I competed for uh, my middle school and my high school. Yeah. Okay, track and cross country. So you like yeah. You you found a like a, a somewhat of a love for it then. Yeah. Would you would you consider yourself accomplished in any regard like back back then or had you improved a lot since then? I think I've improved a lot since then. Um, uh, one of my biggest goals in high school was to be on the varsity team during indoor conference because if you were a two-miler in the indoor conference, um, that you and whoever else was in the two miles, you ran from Waukesha South back to Waukesha North as your cool so like five, six miles run. And I'm like, I have to do this. I have to be on the varsity team. And I was. You wanted to be part of the cool down run? Yeah. I want, if, that, if that isn't the most rubous thing. That's my one and only goal. Yeah. Make varsity so after the meet I could do the cool down from one high school to the other. Yeah. And what happened? Uh, I made it. I was, I was, I felt like I was accomplished. I'd done something that nobody 
nobody else could do. It was just me and the, another guy and uh, and the coach. So yeah, yeah. Is that, an, is that a call we're taking, Rubus? No. <laughs> set, set the table for us. High school PRs, because you're a numbers guy. Can you can you think all the way back to what you ran in high school? What got you on varsity in the two mile that year? Uh, I was mile was five thirty mile, and then I don't remember my two mile. I have don't don't remember two mile. Then I think eight hundred was about like three minutes. Okay. Um. So you so you get done with high school and then you're you're kind of burnt after I'm not, there. I'm not done with this cooldown yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you built up this cooldown. This was your grail. Yeah. So you get through the the mundane task, which is running the conference championship, and now you get the reward. You get to cool down from one high school to the other. Was it everything you had hoped it would be? And more. T- t- tell me about that cooldown. Um. It. I thought it was really cool that it was just two people, me and another guy, and the coach, and it was, we, what I liked about it is we didn't talk about running, we just talked about the random stuff, like nobody's business, and I'm like, oh, so you, it made me feel like I was more than just a runner, I was a human being during that run, Mm -hmm. because around here, a lot of people say, "Oh, I've seen you run on Hunt, our big highway. Our biggest street is called Hunt Highway." And they're like, "Oh, I see you on Hunt Highway." And they're at they ask, "How many miles a week do I run?" And I'm like, "And I don't like that they put me in a box." Mm-hmm. So it felt like somebody's not putting me in a box, and someone's thinking of me as a human being. Was that a turning point for you right then? Was that like setting the hook yeah. into you for a lifelong running? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I can understand that. That's for <laughs> was that Was that your senior year then, or were there more two miles uh, in the future after that? Or? Uh, that, was my, that was my senior year, yeah. Were there, was there the one cool down, or were there, were there more than the one? Uh, it was just that one. Because I, I won the two-mile beforehand, to, uh, a week before, to get into it. And everybody thought it was kind of crazy when I uh, crossed the line. I said, I'm the king of the world, like uh, Titanic. And they're like, you hate that movie, but you can recite that, that line? Are you nuts? And I'm like, yeah. Was that thought out? Was that pre-planned? If you won, or did it just come out? Uh, no, no, no. I just, I just thought, I thought about the last, last one hundred of the last uh, thing. I'm like, I, I'm doing nothing. I'm like fifty to sixty meters ahead of everybody, and uh, I'm just gonna do it. I see other distance runners do something, so I'm gonna do it. And you came up with "I'm King of the World." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this this cool down is it just because it's an indoor meet that's close enough to your high school, and the two miles the second last event, so it just makes sense instead of yeah. waiting for the two milers to cool down, they just let them cool down back to the high school. Yeah, and it's become that badge of honor tradition. Yeah, it, it was a tradition when when uh, Zero Pato was the coach at Washington North. Yeah. 
Kirk, do you have distinct recollections of everyone on the team bus yelling out the windows frustrated when the distance guys would run the 4x4 at the end and insist on going for a cool-down run after, and you're the only ones delaying the bus from getting back home? I don't. Do no, you? that didn't happen at your school? It, it did not, yeah. We ran a lot of 4x4s, and we'd usually have run the 800 or the 2-mile beforehand and always head out for our cool down and the throwers and sprinters and jumpers were furious that they just wanted to get home and we were getting our two mile cool down no matter what and our head coach was a distance coach and so he kept that bus there yeah. but it sounds like we we needed a rubus cool down yeah i i didn't cool down in high school back and i didn't know that wasn't a thing <laughs> <laughs> so derek then like could you Back then, because I know it's morphed over the years. I mean, Christ, that was half a lifetime ago, right? High school. Yeah. Um, what, how would you describe your relationship with running back in high school? Like, how would you describe that? Um, it was half and half. I, I was always, uh, always was like, I know I'm the last runner on the team, uh, and that really put. Uh, put me in a place of uh, I'm not as good as I thought I was at the time but then when I ran for Carroll University uh, the coach who was assistant coach when I was in high school so I've known him like 26 years hmm. longest relationship ever and uh, he made me feel like uh, I'm stronger than, than than I think I am and that really and even when I did ran the steeplechase, he says, you, you know you're stronger than you think you are. And he would always yell that out to me in a race, and that pushed me in, in those steeple races. Yeah. So you're a 530 miler, 3-minute yeah. 800-meter runner. Yeah. Probably somewhere around 12-minute 2-mile. Yeah. You know, that's that's respectable running times, but that's not college yeah. recruitment material so what was your path like from high school to find carroll college how did that work out for you um at first i wanted to go to um uw stevens point mm -hmm. because i was at running camp for this, those three years and i was in love with I, I i'm like i don't care what my major is going to be or nothing like that I just wanted to run for the coach, Coach Witt. Coach Witt, yeah. I went to that camp a couple of times. Yeah, and I, I thought he was the greatest. They have a cool culture up there. Yeah, but at the time, it was, you only can have 24 guys on the team, mm -hmm. and as many women as possible. But now it's, now it's you can have as many guys and as many women as possible. So, I'm, I, I did, uh, like some junior colleges, a couple of junior colleges, and then went over to to Carroll. And I did a, two seasons of track and one of cross country. And did you were you in contact with that coach the entire time, letting him know I'm going to come over? Can I try out? Or did he invite you? How did that work? Uh, anybody could join. Anybody. He, it didn't matter if it was seventy people for the guys team, forty for the girls. When I ran cross country, it was the first time that I ever scored for a team, and because there was only five guys on the team, and there's 18 women, so we felt like, uh, yeah, we're in the minorities. But I, I loved, I, I loved it. I'm like, 
let me be the minority. Let me push myself to be that minority. So, yeah. I have a question about you kind of bringing this together. You said that on that, that cool down after the two mile, like you had normal conversation on the run back and it was nice not to be put in a box of being a runner. Um, at this point, when you moved on to college, like obviously you're still very much an aspiring runner. Like you wanted to get better and improve. Like that was your identity at the time, I assume still, or was it not? Yeah, it was. Okay. Did you get a chance to like grow beyond that at Carroll in the sense where you felt like you were more than just a runner at this point? Was that the experience you had? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I felt like uh, being, being able to do uh, events that I've never done before, like the 10K or the steeplechase on the track, I felt like I can grow, grow as a person, as a... Uh, that I can outside of track, I can try try different and different things that I've that I never thought I could, and yeah. I imagine if there are five guys on the team, like you guys got to know each other pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah. Me, me, and one guy, Zach Andreski, became the best of friends, and we still still talk to each other and. He's like, do you remember that one time that I slapped you on the butt while I was passing you at, at one of the races? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's, that's exactly sort of the bromances we need more of in this yeah. world, isn't it? Yeah. What did you major in at, Carol? Uh, at first it was exercise science, and then my advisor said, well, you're not good in anatomy and physiology. So how about rock management? And I said, sure. It was all the same courses except for I didn't have to take physics. So, yeah. So I was a rock management. And what is the future for someone with a rock management degree? Rock management, uh, sort of like uh, uh, Park and Recreations, mm-hmm. the TV show. Because when I did my internship, it would all, we'd always talk, well, do you remember this part in Park and Recs? And it's it's sort of like this and yeah so it was kind of cool so there was parallel between both so i'm curious then um you mentioned that at some point you got burnt out so you went through the four did you run for four years there at carol no uh they have a thing called the 10 semesters and you only can do a sports for 10 semesters and i ran track for two seasons and then cross country for one okay so you didn't start running because you had already had previous semesters in school so you yeah you ran with them later on in your college career so you ate up your eligibility without knowing it in a sense at the time yeah okay so like when in relation to that did you get burnt out like after your college time and and like could you talk more about that um it was it was actually the start of my college college career because of the identity of the distance runner because in Waukesha I was known as the Forrest Gump of Waukesha because everybody knew me and and whatnot. And I mean, when I had my first seizure, um, when I woke up in the hospital, the cops were like, well, we didn't know if he was, uh, if he was robbing the guy's place or it, if he really had the had seizures, so 
and, and they're like, we see them all over the place. We call them Forrest Gump for Waukesha. So, yeah. The police officers had called you that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of a compliment. Yeah. Uh, so what, is, what was the, the health condition that caused that? Um, I have a cyst in my brain that's close to my eyes that they won't do surgery. They figure if they do surgery on, on me and they botch it, botch it up, that I could become blind. Paralyzed. We we heard that, mother. Yeah. Um, I suppose you have headphones in, so she can't hear us. Yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. So that was the the root cause of that sort of stuff. Yeah. When was that discovered? Uh, when I was about nineteen. And that's when you did they find it because you had a seizure? Yeah. Yeah. And they thought you might have been robbing a house. Yeah. Yeah. How is that? You wound up in front of someone's house, or you staggered to their house, or what? Um, I I just ended up. I was training for a half marathon in Vegas, which never became half marathon. It turned into a full marathon in Waukesha, where our halfway point was up uh, Lapham Peak uh, Tower. Oh yeah, and we had to go up and back down. But, uh, and I still have the record for my age group there, which is kind of cool, but not, yeah. And for five minutes, cars would just drive by and do not and nothing. And then this guy pulls me into his garage and says, and then calls 911. And I woke up in the ambulance to tell them my phone number. And if I told them like 15 minutes later, my parents would have been at at church at that time because it was on Sunday. So they would never caught them. Hmm. So so is this something um is this something that's been had re been reoccurring for you since then or has it been able to be managed? I found out from my parent my actually my mom that when I was like in second third, second grade I had a teacher that was used to be a fourth grade teacher she that she diagnosed every but she couldn't deal with second graders and she sort of diagnosed almost all of us were borderline ADD so that me just uh, focusing and not, not uh, uh, talking to pe- people when I would be like looking at staring at the wall they would think that from the 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 system, my brain, yeah, and the seizures. So yeah, that was your seizures. That was my seizures. Yeah. Okay. Have um Have you been dealing with that over the years, or the birth? I guess the brain was from birth. Too, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Have have in regards to the seizures and all of that, have that has that been managed over the years, or is that still something that happens? Uh, I've only had two seizures in my life, and but I have to take pills for all my life, so that I don't have any more. Yeah, I had one on my mom's birthday, and she got. I wake up in the hospital in Aspen, Colorado, and she goes, "I'm glad you had a seizure." And I go, not me. And she goes, so I can just see what the uh, symptoms were from the, yeah. Mm. 
So I was unaware of your seizures. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Yep. I don't tell people that a lot, yeah. Because I feel like they're going to treat me different then. They won't. It seems to be a recurring theme. Yeah. You want to be known as not the runner and not the guy with a medical condition. Yeah. So is it that that medical condition which has caused you to stop running for a while? Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, No, no, no. I, I just got really burnt out. I was just like... Uh, at that time I was doing six days a week instead of seven I got burnt out and I'm like I just can't deal with this anymore I'm not getting to to the point where I want to get to or whatnot so yeah what did that feel like like burning out feel like how would you describe that because a lot of people go through that but we don't really we haven't talked about it a lot in this podcast actually Uh, like what did burnout feel like for you it felt like I didn't want to go for a run anymore. I didn't want to watch running. I didn't care about it. And I was just like, let me do something else. Yeah. What was that? What else that you turned to during those two and a half years? Um, uh, two, two, I was doing more weightlifting. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my little body from like 130 to a 150 within two years. Yeah. You said that part of it was that you weren't getting to where you wanted to be as a runner. What was that place that you were putting on the pedestal? Um, it was just being on a, my goal in, in high school always was to be on a, a college t- team and I wasn't on one and I felt like the two junior colleges didn't have, have a team at all. And it was just like, why in the heck am I doing this? Were you at and, UROC? No, I was at UW-Waukesha and then WCTC. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So, so, your, so your burnt out period was before you ran for Carroll? Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay, I thought maybe running at Carroll had caused you to be burnt out. No, 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 no. I had the best coach ever. I mean, Sean Tealitz is like... He's been my best friend, the only guy I can call big brother because he's, and and we talk, we laugh at things that nobody else does. We, and, and when we do workouts on the outdoor track, we we start singing an old Journey song together, and they'd be like, "Rubish, you're in the middle of a workout. Get out there!" <laughs> so they yell at us, yeah. One thing that always interests me, as much as what causes the burnout, is what is the thing that gets people back to a higher level? Because you went from running six days a week and feeling burnt out to now you really just hit 100-mile weeks every single week, week after week. So how do you go from burnt out to so in love with running that you do triple what you used to do volume-wise? Um, basically, uh, I wa- watched a, a Chris Linsky race. Which one? Um, I, I think it was one of the, one of the uh, indoor championships. Okay. And I'm just like, I'm in love with this guy. I fell in love with this guy. I'm like, I want, I want to get back into it. I want to meet this guy. I, he's, he, he's put me back in the headspace that I've never thought I could get back to. So, one race. Yeah, one race. What was it about his race that you connected with? Um, it's just the way he used to run. 
just to the way he used to uh, race and I'm like that's how I wanted to race yeah so I saw a little bit of myself in him yeah he yeah. ran with power he ran aggressive but smart yeah he was the one guy out there that looked like he could kick your ass and beat you in a 10k at the yeah. same time yeah uh, yeah there's a lot to like about that guy did you end up reaching out to him yeah I told I told him uh I was at that I, I was running in the meet that him and Tegan camped to the four minute mile mm. and uh, I, I told him that, and he thought that was the coolest thing ever. He's yeah. a Wisconsin boy. Yeah. Well, when you talk to him next, tell him that I've emailed him and Facebook messaged him, and he never got back to me. So can you <laughs> yell at him for me? Of course. Okay, thank you. All right, so you watch this race. You fall in love. You decide, I'm back. What did day one of I'm back look like? Um... Just an easy, easy run to get myself back and and do it, and yeah. And did it progress from there? Were you steady? Were you smart with it, or did you just jump right in and get working? A little bit of both. Yeah, I just thought I have to get back into it. I but I have to keep myself smart and smart the whole whole time, so I don't injure myself because I'm coming back, back from being like a one fifty. Now I was 150, so yeah, I had more weight on me than before. Yeah. So when was this that you um that you started running again? What year is this? Um, I can't even remember. In early 2000s, I'd say. A long time ago. So yeah. 15 plus years ago. So you yeah, and you haven't looked back since. So it's been 15 no. years of consistent running. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and. And then what happened with your progression of running from there? Like you had a coach, you had a coach in high school, then you yeah. had a few years in the abyss where you were pumping iron and getting jacked, and then you went back to coaching at Carroll, and now you decide you want to run, but you don't have any guidance. Yeah. What did you do? Um, for me, it was, uh, well, how coaching Rubis happened was uh, there's a distance runner named Kyle Merber, mm-hmm. and he put on uh, on Twitter that if if anybody wants to uh, get co- coached by him or whatnot and then he so I reached out to him and he's uh, I'm like I would love to get coached by you and he goes well me and my coach gags have an idea that call coach Ru- coach nervous and you, you can get coached by a different guy each each week and I thought that was a perfect idea and then snowballed from there. Like, it was like, uh, oh, I want to coach you. 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 So, yeah. You want you yeah. want to know what's funny about this, Bracken, is um, I coached Rubis for two weeks, and I think you did too, right, Bracken, at some point? Mm-hmm. Well, I said, because basically Rubis had come and watched. He, Rub, Derek, you went out of your way to come watch me race a Spartan race in Arizona. That has to be the first and only Spartan race you'll ever go to, I imagine. Um, uh, no, if you come back, I'm, I'm coming to watch you. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I think the uh, vacuum started back up. Yeah, I'll, I'll shut the door. Okay. No, that's that's how it uh, gets into its, its spot. Okay, so I uh, so I made Rubis do 
compromised run work, we call it, Rubis. I had you doing burpees into running and jump squats into running. How'd you feel about that when I coached you? Um, it was kind of cool. I was doing something that different, and to me, I have a phrase that I say that the harder the workout, the better I feel. So something like that, or the Michigan workout, uh, I feel like after I've done them, I'm like, I, I accomplished something that somebody else has never accomplished. I remember you were a little sore that week. Yeah. <laughs> I I really I re- I really made made my day knowing that you were hobbling around. Just so you know. Yeah. So this is the email that people get when they're when they're up. Hey Bracken, this is Derek Rubis, and the reason I'm emailing you is because you're coaching me next week, and <laughs> that's your heads up. You're up, yeah. and there's no negotiating this, is there, Derek? Yeah. I do about 95 miles a week and don't have a race during your week of coaching me. Here's what Austin Dahlquist is having me do for workouts this week. So you get to see what he did the week before, and you're told that there is or isn't a race during your week, and that's it. So you don't care about a whole bunch of periodization. You don't care about how things lead together. You just, here's one week of knowledge, get to work. Yeah. And I actually went the opposite of Kirk. I didn't give you an OCR workout. (laughs) I think I gave him two in one week. <laughs> yeah, you did. I had him do the one, two, three fart lick. Uh, we did a, um, what did we do, Derek? We did a 15-mile cut down. Oh, that was, and that was my favorite of the week. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we did uh, three 5K loops. Easy, moderate, as fast as you can go. That was my favorite yeah. of the week. So we hit our right around 100. We got two quality and a long hilly run. Yeah. But so this this started with Kyle Merber. Yeah. And he said, let's tr- do this coaching Rubis thing where yeah. someone writes your training each week and it hasn't stopped since then? No. How, what year was that that you reached out to Merber? Uh, probably like seven years ago, I want to say. So for seven years. Yeah, it's over, over, it, it, it's over like three, four hundred weeks, yeah. How many different coaches have you had? How many do you think? Uh. Oh, uh, yeah. Over 100? And, 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 and people have come back to me and said, I want to coach you again and whatnot. And I, in that list, that bu- bucket list, I have a bucket list of coaches. And next week, I have one of the bucket lists of coaches that I wanted, yeah. And who's that? Um, it's the woman's coach from BYU. Oh. Dilji yeah. Taylor? Yeah. Very nice. She's had some success there. I think you're in good hands. Yeah. She's been like my she's been my number one to get. Yeah. Have you met her in person? Uh, she was down here down here and I for some reason I yelled out Hey Coach Taylor and she looked and she said, Drew best So yeah. So she knew you by sight. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She's what? Coached like 15 national champions in the last two years. And Derek Rubish shouts out the window at her and she mm-hmm. knows who you are. Yeah. That's awesome. What is it about her that she was like your, your number one that you wanted to coach you? She sort of, she, remind, she reminds me so much of uh, the college coach I had where, where you can, so where you can uh, hear him when you're at like the 200 you, you can hear hear him at uh, again when you're at the 200 and he's at the finish line you can hear him all the way o- over there so it's like 
big mouth and and that to me pushes me more than anything yeah tell you what i've been watching a lot of nationals cross country and indoor and outdoor she gets her athletes to believe in themselves and then and they believe that she believes in them she does that as well as anyone you're right she is a loud coach but a she's a believer she's like the coolest thing out there well i'm excited for you you watch her uh after she's had a couple women win some national titles recently and watching I've been watching those races on the assault bike and incline trainer and the way she like embraces them and the, the, the athletes come up to her after the races. It's just, yeah, it's a real connection there. So I see that. Yeah. So, okay. So you started getting coached, you get back into it. Like what goals are on your table now, now that you're getting, you know, you're back into running, you've committed again. Like, what are you chasing now? What, what are you running for? Um, I, I, I was in high school. I wanted to do steeplechase. And when I went to running camp at Point, there was like a third optional run. And there was a guy named Chris Krolik, and he ran the steeplechase for uh, uh, Stevens Point, and he, he, he would take me every night up to, to, to learn steeplechase. And then the last day we'd have what they call a t-shirt re- relay. And you had to bring a t-shirt that you wanted to part with and whatnot. And you're on a team with people. And each person can't do the same. So if somebody does the one lap, everybody else can't do the one lap for their first one. They have to do two laps or three laps or four laps. So on our last lap, we'd always jump into the steeple pit together with no water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we made sure that we were together on that and we jumped in the steeple pit together. And I always wanted to do steeple because of him. And then I I was always amazed what 10K runners can do. So those are my two goals in high school. And I, I'm glad I, I got to do them. Yeah. Is that where the jersey swap started for you? Was it that yeah. day? Yeah. I was there. I, did, I gave a T-shirt and got a T-shirt. Yeah. 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 So after college, I was asking though, after you got out of college and now you're on your own and you're being coached by different people all the time, like, what are you focusing on then? Like after, let's say seven years ago, what, what have been like your, your personal running goals, like your desires on the running front over these last like 10 years? Like, what are you trying to get out of all this? Um, just idea. One of them is ideas for when I coach, I'm like, I'm trying to, I, when I was at Carroll, I tried to get my, the head coach to, I'm like, the 10K and 5K guys should do the Michigan workout, and he saw what it was, and like, no way in hell. <laughs> and uh, just to, to, to better myself as a person and as as a runner and do thing, things that I never could do, you know? And learn learn from all these different people. So yeah. When you first started this, how many miles a week were you averaging that first week with Merber? Probably about eighty five. Okay. Yeah. And now you're sitting at what? About like ninety to hundred. Ninety to hundred, and you've maintained that for seven years. Yeah. What has that? physically and mentally been like those ups and downs throughout seven years of averaging 85 to 100 um it's been a savior to me 
I mean, if I didn't, if, if I have a day out, for a while there, I had had no days off since 2000, 2016. Um, and I was like, and the first day that I had off because of the can the the cancer, I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, you see a different side of me. It's like I become cranky. I become someone you don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. What do you average on your easy runs? What what kind of pace are you running? Um, probably about seven seven thirty. Okay. So it takes up a chunk of time to run 100 yeah. mile weeks. Yeah. What else do you do in addition to running? Um, right now, nothing much because I have my radiation at noon. And uh, and then I have my oral chemo at 7 in the morning, 7 at night. So I have to be like sort of on the schedule for all this. Yeah. Prior to cancer, what were you doing other than running? Um, nothing much. I was coaching with at Carroll for like 10 or 11 years as a volunteer assistant. Yeah, I always had that red flag of, uh, which uh, they would never tell me what the red flag was, why I wasn't getting paid for being an assistant coach. And I think when I would put my resume out to other um, different coaching jobs, I think that was a hinder that I wasn't getting paid and they wanted somebody who knew their stuff and was getting paid but I'm like I know my stuff I'm not getting paid and so yeah I lost a few jobs one of them I lost to Chris Zielinski yeah you didn't beat Chris out for a coaching job no so yeah <laughs> I had a personal curiosity speaking about jobs uh, super fascinated with your involvement with run gum uh, Nick Simmons uh, company run gum which if I understand is like a caffeinated chewing gum right yeah which is supposed to kind of give you the caffeine when you want it when you're out there you know running a lot of runners run yeah. gum in their mouth I don't know if and maybe not all our listeners are aware but I feel like in like the road distance running crew there's like a a good crew of guys who chew gum and run which sounds bizarre yeah and the, and one of my friends who's a steeplechase it was a steeplechaser at University of New Mexico Charlotte Prowse, she used to chew gum while she was steeplechasing. So what what was your involvement with, with that, with run gum? Um, I'm still involved with them. Um, I've been involved with them since the start uh, of the thing. Uh, I'm a brand ambassador for them. And then 2016, when I went out to the trials, uh, they had a booth, and I, I helped them out at the booth, uh, booth that they had yeah and I just went in to the race as if it was a distance race or I could see this uh, pole vaulter and pole vaulters because I'm a huge pole vaulting fan okay I'd seen pictures of you with Nick Simmons and the run gum thing and yeah I thought that was pretty cool Nick Simmons is one of my personal favorites because he was a division three collegiate athlete so he came from small potatoes he's an avid outdoorsman he's one of the bigger successful like bigger muscular successful 800 and 1500 meter runners and he's just got a level head on his shoulder so i had a uh, a bit of envy knowing that you had worked with him <laughs> yeah and i'm a brand ambassador for two other companies as well which are what uh perky bar mm-hmm. which i love to death laura fleshman and jesse thomas 
who I'm a huge Jesse Thomas fan. And then um, my friend who's a bodybuilder who was based off of Mesa, now he's down in Florida. It's a company called Wicked Naturals and it's a supplement company. So yeah. So we become really good, like best friends, and he's, he's he saved, he, he's one guy that I can, he's saved me through this whole cancer deal, so yeah. That would be Wicked with a Y, I assume, yeah. based on your screen name, I've seen yeah. Wicked Hub. So, so bringing it back um, a little bit to your sentiment about uh, running and then how it's like, you know, it saved you. You say running has sort of saved you in a sense, like over the years. Um, for example, I run because I run more for my mental health than my physical. I think it's just super, it's therapeutic for me. It's a release, it's an outlet, and it brings me back to center every day, for example. And even if I knew I'd run for the rest of my life and only get slower and it would do nothing for my physique, I would still do it because of what it does for my brain and my body chemistry, for example. Like when you say it saved you, like it may, you know, you mentioned that you're you're a happier person. Like, how would you how would you describe what running has done for you? Uh, I know you touched on it, but is there anything else anything else that you feel like you owe credence to running for? No, basically what I what I said. Uh, um, it's gotten me fr- friends around the world. It's gotten me uh, a community that's rallying around me now. I mean, when Nick Willis put that tweet out, I I just started bawling, like, and everything, so yeah. So the outreach has been pretty profound. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the difference between you and a lot of what I would call a track groupie. Yeah. Track groupies want to be there because of the trappings of the lifestyle. You've wanted to be these places because of your love for the places. Mm-hmm. And when the groupies of a sport have something come up, the sport quickly pushes them aside because they didn't really want them there in the first place. You have something come up, and I think that it lends credence to how much you mean to the sport. The fact that an Olympic, I would call him Olympic champion now, <laughs> Nick Willis, as the news came that the gold medalist from his 1500 tested positive after you know years down the road i i personally upgrade nick willis to a gold medal now 1500 mm-hmm. meter so an olympic champion tweeting out about you i mean that that lends credence to how important you've become to the running community mm-hmm. and he, he came to when he was in flagstaff he came to one of my races as well you had nick willis come and watch you race yeah can you imagine saying that a decade ago no no. And I have a sort of a, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon to mm-hmm. Nick Willis because my sister-in-law is originally from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So her sister's husband was Nick Willis's gym teacher. Interesting. Yeah, in high school. Yeah. Well, now my separation to Nick Willis is that I've run a race with Derek Rubis and Nick Willis showed up to watch Rubis race. Yeah. Why do you think it is? that the running community has connected with you the way it had. Because I don't know any other non-pro, non-elite, non-pro coach, or non-journalist 
who enjoys the access to and the actual interaction with the entire professional running community and collegiate running community like you. So why is it that you have had this? I think it's based, this is just me. I think of them more than just a runner. I think of them as a human being and someone I can get to know, get to know and have lifelong friendships with and whatnot. So I think it's more the being a human being than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I can answer that, I think. I can answer that for you, Rubus, if you give me a crack at it. Go right ahead. Thanks for your permission. I uh, I just think that um, from my, I, you know, I'm only a study of one. I know that you have many, uh, many a friends in the running community. But um, as I mentioned in our intro, you are just incredibly supportive, like blindly supportive of what I do. You know, you know, I'm not nearly as, let's say, fast as a Nick Willis or a Chris Zielinski, but you don't give a shit that I'm not. Yeah. You're still like I, you make me feel like I I am your number one. And I know I'm not like I know there's I know there's a lot of people that you make feel that way. You make them feel like you're their biggest fan. And and I think you have a way of touching people through your support and you. I mean, sure, you ask for a cutoff T-shirt once in a while. Who cares? You ask for very little in return. You just, you know, any picture I post, you tell me how sweet and in shape I look. Anything I run, you tell me I'm amazing, even if it's one of the worst races I've ever had. You're like my, you're like everybody's hype man, and you don't ask for anything in return. Nothing. It's just yeah. blind support. More people should be like that. You've never passed judgment. We're all judgy humans in our own right. I don't think I've ever seen you pass judgment only support you agree with that totally that's why i think rubus is so embraced in case anybody's <laughs> wondering <laughs> that rings true to me mm -hmm. but i agree you are the ultimate hype man except a hype man who's not there to be next to that guy he's yeah. there because he truly wants that guy to do well that woman that coach that team doesn't matter who it is you just want everyone to love running the way you do and to love people the way you do yeah well, I'm glad you agree because that's how it's that's how it's received. <laughs> I feel like um, I, I I got a strange question for you, Derek. Um, you run a lot of miles, man, which means you got a lot of time to either listen to podcasts or music or think. Right, you have time to do all of these things because you know running is a thinking man and woman's sport, right? Yeah. You're alone with your thoughts, and even half the time when you're listening to a podcast or music you're zoning out the music or podcast and you're just alone in your thoughts, right? Like what are some of the things, cause I know we we've shared with each other a little bit, some of our inner demons, right? We all have them. Um, and there's no shame in that. I've certainly been open about my demons on the podcast in the last half a year. But, um, as far as like, what, what are you, you're putting in like, I don't know, 15 hours of running a week. Like, what are you thinking about out there? 10 hours of running a week. Like what, What's going on in that brain of yours when you're out there? I just let my brain go. If there's a podcast that I haven't listened to, I just listen to what those people have to say and learn something new and different from them. Or I, I right now I have a cancer playlist to get me through not thinking about my cancer at, at the time and whatnot. And when I... Ten years... You, a lot of people don't know, know this, but 10 years ago at the trials, I met one of my favorite coaches, uh, Alberto Salazar, at, at the time. We didn't know all the stuff 
but he won't. That he did, but he said to me, uh, I know who you are, but you don't look like a distance runner. And that spiraled down to me having body weight issues, um, self-esteem issues, depression, thoughts of suicide, and it's a double-edged sword that I thank him and are, is, am mad at him for doing this. Um, because back in 2018 I was weighing myself every single day and and saying saying stuff like uh, if I was in the 130s hold on, hold on for a second Derek, we can't quite hear you um I was yeah you're, uh, if I was in the 130s I would I wouldn't eat as much or I wouldn't eat at all until I got to the 120s, and then I went back to, and then, and, and then if I was in the 120s, I'd eat everything in sight, and then I would be like, well, I might be going back to the 130s, so, yeah, so I was secretly weighing myself every, every single day at Carroll during the summer, and then every other day during cross-country season, and, and doing the two-a-day, uh, workouts with people at six in the morning and then after uh, uh, cross-country season and whatnot so they wouldn't know that I was having this problem and whatnot so yeah that this podcast has shown me both from being called upon my own words and from listening to others describe the way words have affected them it has taught me that there's no such thing as a throwaway phrase there's no throwaway lines in this world because to you, a phrase that you might not mean or think about, you just use it to fill space. It's going to not land the same way to others. And you got the full Alberto Salazar experience in one sentence. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what he was kicked out of the sport for. Not that sentence, but for the, the ramifications of what happened to you. Those ramifications that happen with many of the people around him, that's the reason he's not allowed to coach anymore. You were sent down a path, or if not sent down, you were springboarded down a path that you were already on because of one person's casual throwaway line. He wouldn't even remember saying that to you. No, he doesn't because when I went back in 2018, because at the time I was going to move out to either Eugene or Ben, we saw them at... Him and Pete Julian and uh, Galen Roth at a restaurant, and he he didn't remember who I was. He thought I was because I was wearing my Carroll Carroll College shirt. Now it's Carroll University, but he would he thought I was Carroll University runner. Yeah, so he did. So I'm like, that's the whole whole six year difference. Yeah. Not to dig at that specific moment, but there's got to be a few dozen, if not more, people listening that have moments like that that they can think of that triggered um, subsequent events in their life. But what on earth would have caused him to say something like that? Did it feel very unprovoked, or it it just it just came out of his mouth, like right then and there? Yeah. How many? How long was that journey or is that journey still of weight, image, racing weight, body image, all those things that kind of feed off of each other? How long was or is that journey going on for? It's still going on. 
I mean, yeah. this summer it's going to be 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, and uh, I know the exact dates and everything. It was the trials, the 10K. Uh, Tim and Rupp were coming out of the athletes area in the t 10K, and for 10K, and it was then that day, the first day of the trials, and yeah, it stuck with me. I lost maybe like four or five pounds that in th those 10 days that I was there. And here's okay. the real issue. When he thought you were a Carroll University runner six years after his first statement to you of you don't look like a runner, did you have some perverse satisfaction from him thinking you were a runner now? Um, at the time, uh, I was with my parents and my dad's like, that's Alberto, that's Alberto. And then he's like, there's your friend Gail and Rupp. Why don't you go up and talk to Rupp? And I was so scared to talk to Rupp because Alberto was there. And when he thought of me as a, as a Carroll College runner, I'm like, he doesn't know who I am. He, I, I wanted to scream and yell at him and say, this is what he said to me, but I, but I said, I don't want to give him the satisfaction. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, I'll keep it inside. Yeah, and, and at that time, I didn't tell anybody. In, in 2018, I didn't tell anybody nothing. I, since then, I've gone through three, three nutritionists, four therapists. Yeah. Um, Derek, not to uh, interrupt this, but is that vacuum cleaner still running? No, it's my uh, mom. And the... Okay, she's done. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it was a blow dryer. Oh. I'm close to the, to the bathroom. Okay, tell her sorry. That's the long extension loop in there. Yeah. Oh, the running course. I just, I just like hear that, and it's like something I just like so drastically want to make right and don't know how to, right? It's like one of those things that you, I mean, you probably didn't see coming nor had any idea at the time that it had such a hold on you, and then pretty soon it's, it's your day-to-day, -day and you didn't even know how you got there, right? Yeah. Uh, sort of like what you you went through yeah exactly that's that's a tough deal there so you opened up about that stuff not that long ago on social media didn't yeah. you yeah yeah and it's, and it's because of you because of you opening up i felt, felt like i could open up about myself really yeah so i want to thank you for that yeah you're very very welcome um what why did i mean why, it's hard to open up about stuff that people would perceive as like a flaw, right? Yeah. It's not easy to talk about stuff like that. So, like, why, me aside, like, why did you feel like you were ready to to share? I was ready to share because I felt like I could use I could use some help, right? I could use some yeah. support and maybe try to help others. Um, why, why did you decide to come out about that? Those that things? was one of the reasons to help, uh, to show a light, uh, help and show a light that guys are going through this as well in the distance running world. I mean, there is an episode of um, Real Sports in 2019 where they're talking about men, athletes, committing suicide more than women. And people wouldn't believe me and say this is only a women's issue and whatnot. And then I'm like, well, Jesse Thomas came out about this. Kirk came out about this. I feel like I'm right ready to come out about this and but then when I went to 
the doctors and they weighed me and I always thought I was around 130 and I heard that I was like 117, 116. I'm like, I had better tell tell people about this and, and whatnot. And I'm like, this is my journey and let them in on my journey. So I want to thank you, Kurt, for helping me through this. Yeah, of course. Well, and we have to thank you too because it is still perceived as a shameful secret and as unfortunately a female secret yeah that men don't deal with it it's it's just not seen the same and it needs to be that every single person like you who speaks out about an eating disorder or an unhealthy relationship with weight encourages other guys to be able to say it's not okay what i'm doing here because yeah. because we'll justify it just like anyone else will oh i'm just doing it in order to run faster or whatever but yeah. acknowledging that's powerful now, Derek, you have an interesting connection with everything now because you were in a situation where you got low enough mentally where you considered suicide. Mm-hmm. And now fast forward, you're at a point where there is an external source, which is cancer, trying to take your life. And I've known more than one person in a situation where earlier in their life, they considered ending their life. And later on, they encountered something that wanted to end their life. And you realize some things in that moment and your your outlook on life is not the same as soon as it's an outside source. And I want to hear that process for you if you're if you're capable of talking about that. What that transformation is like. Yeah. Um I I knew at at the time that we found out about the cancer was right after I I colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And I was one of six people that my doctor did, and three of the people, me included, uh, me and two others, he said, told that they had colon cancer. So, th- so uh, that, and that week, that week I said, I bet I have colon cancer, because my mom, my mom's grandma had it, and my aunt had it. So I'm like, it's probably going to be, that's probably what I'm going to have. And when I heard the news, I'm like, "See, I was right. I'm, I'm a little bit psych- psychic and psycho at the same time." <laughs> and I was just like, "I can either fight this thing, but there's days where I'm just like, uh, because I'm in the b- bathroom, going to the bathroom so much because of this thing, because I have a tumor on my colon, and it doesn't let things." passed through real well and I uh, I, I sit there and I'm crying I want to take my life I don't want to eat anything uh, eat, eat anything I'm, I'm going backwards at times but then it's like when people treat me like a human being and ask me how I'm doing mentally and physically not just with this cancer but with myself I feel like okay, I can I can get get through this. So yeah, and it's gonna be a long journey because after this is the start of my fifth week of oral chemo and radiation, and this is the last week of it. Then I have four weeks of nothing. Then I get sur- surgery, and then I have IV chemo, and then I have six months of a colostomy bag. So it's going to be a long journey. Yeah. 
you're facing potentially the biggest bump for you, yeah. which is a removal of running. Yeah. Yeah. After surgery, it's going to be one month of, of no running. So what do you need from the running community to make it through that month as the Rubus we know and love? Um, I, I know I'm going to go stir crazy. I know that for dang sure. But being on these podcasts and getting my stories told about things and getting it out there makes me feel like I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to thank you guys for, for that. Yeah. You have you have more people that care about you and love you than I think you... I know you realize it, but I think it's even bigger than you realize, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. I, I mean, I mean, when they started that GoFundMe for me, I was just like, I just bawled and weeped and whatnot. And me and my mom found out that all the all my insurance is paying for it. So my sister-in-law goes, well, with the GoFundMe money, just take a bucket list trip that you want to do. And I had like two in mind. I had Dollywood and Disneyland. I know it's I, I know it's strange, but I just a, didn't expect Dollywood to come out of your mind. I'm the biggest Dolly Parton fan there is. It shouldn't shock me. <laughs> but then uh, my she must be a good runner, huh? <laughs> but my my mom my mom said, well, you know, we can go to San Diego. So I'm like, push Dollywood out of there. So it's like, when we can, we're gonna do a bucket list trip with Disney World. And Disneyland and San Diego, because San Diego is where my nephew goes to college at San Diego State. See, I would have expected to hear World Championships in Eugene or go to the next I, Olympics. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I want to do something outside of distance running. Yeah. Has that put anything into, has this all put anything into perspective for you as far as like obviously we've been talking about there's more to Derek than running and there's more to life yeah. than running, but has this this health uh, situation done anything for your perspective on it? Um, Does it make running it, seem more or less important to you? Yeah, yeah, it makes my run, running seem like uh, uh, it's been more of a savior to me um, that um, I'm, like I said before, with my coach, uh, yeah, it's, it's made me feel like I'm stronger than I actually am. Even when I'm screaming and yelling at, at people, but why why me? Why am I going seven times a day before I do my actual run and whatnot? So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the the nuances of, um, of trying to keep your train, well, not trying, of keeping <laughs> your training up while you're going through radiation and chemo um i've had i've had a few you know recent family members who've had cancer and and seeing how tired the chemo and treatment has made yeah. them and the radiation uh how that can be just so uh painful at times and then everything's affected from sleep to eating and if it's colon cancer that's all magnified on the the eating front and so like, how are you feeling, man? Like, I want to know, like, how are you doing? How are you keeping this up? Are you, is it because you don't know any different? Or, like, like, how are you doing this? That's a little bit. And there are days where I feel like, feel like crap every single day. And then I, I'm tired more. So, yeah. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. But how are you doing it? 
Like, how, how am I doing it? How are you doing it? That all I know. I think that's all I know. And, and if I don't have my savior, I think I'm gonna go insane. I think that's that's a big big part of it as well. Well, when you get to the point and you're on your way, you know, to recovery, okay, and you get your surgery and things are going exactly as they should, and you're you're on your way to healing, you need to reach out to all of us and say, "Hey, I got a month without running. Help me keep my sanity." Yeah. I'll send you Snapchats every three minutes if you need it, all right? <laughs> Ask yeah. for help then, really. Okay, I will. Yeah, and I've, I've done that with a lot of my friends. If I don't, I'm like, are you free this day at this time? And they're like, oh, we'll drop everything and we'll, we'll, we'll call you. Yeah. I had an athlete last week not get their run in because it was raining. <laughs> I had one not get their run in because they were pretty tired from work. I had one not finish their reps because partway through they realized it was just going to be a hard day and they weren't going to be able to hit their paces anymore. I had an athlete two weeks ago not do their run because the the condition on the mountain was a little snowier than they would have liked and they realized they wouldn't hit their fastest segment on that and mentally they needed to hit uh, a crown on that for for their personal crown, their fastest run on that segment in order to be ready for a race mentally. I mean, w- <laughs> it's it's low hanging fruit to pick on these athletes who don't know what it's like to be desperate. But what do you say to people who are currently taking running and health for granted? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, for me, for me, it's like I. I don't know any better. I, uh, I've been in the sport so long that that's all I've known, and and it's been a savior to me and whatnot. So that's all I really have known. So you're, you're doubling, you're running indoors, you're hitting hundred. You you ran twelve and four a.m. and p.m. the other day with a seven a.m. and p.m. Um, radiation pill and with a noon radiation and then chemo oral chemo at seven and seven yeah and you're doubling in between then you hit an 18 mile long run indoors with a 7 a.m 7 p.m and a noon there there is something out there if we could if we could just bottle up encapsulate a little bit of the rubus drive and dedication you would eliminate the uh, I don't feel like it today crowd right off the face of this earth. I think it's ma- mainly that my friend Justin Grunwald has called me the male Gabe. So I think that's, that that's pushed me a little bit that I'm doing this not only for myself but for the memory of Gabe a little bit and anybody else who, who can't do this alone or whatnot. So I think that's a big, big factor in that, yeah. That many people get to realize their legacy while they're living it. And there's something special to that, Rubis. When people announce to you your legacy is being set in the moment while you're doing it, that's pretty damn special. Thanks a lot, Bracken. What are you... What's still left for you to accomplish here? Derek, like, what are the things that you're like, hell no, I'm not like, like, I'm beating this 
I'm beating this shit, man. So I, I still got things to do. Like Rubus got things to do, right? You came yeah. out with your bucket list, so to speak. Yeah. Um, like what are the things that Derek Rubis still wants to do? Like what do you need to, what do you want to accomplish still? Um, there are some tracks that, there's some college tracks that I've always wanted to run at. Um, Virginia Tech, uh, indoors, it would be like Virginia Tech and Michigan and Arkansas and uh, Washington. And then for outdoors, I I, I want to run on like FSU and Texas's track just to do a, a race out there. I don't care if it's during, during one of their races or I have to make a race myself or whatnot. So those are big ones to me. Yeah. And then I have my I have my buck list of podcasts I want to be on and the coaches I want. So yeah. So a lot of them like you you got to put your feet on these uh, these these places and you got to yeah. put some sweat on these tracks and you got to yeah. experience the energy of these places and that yeah. that really drives you, huh? Yeah. What's the coolest place you've ever raced or run? What's the best atmosphere to date? You've run in more places than most. I'd say I did. I, I, I couldn't race at this place, but I did a workout there. Uh, is Iowa State's indoor track. Hmm. And, I mean, it's a 300. That and NAU's. Don't. Those two are like my two favorite places to race ever. You like you like running indoors, so the house suits you well, then, huh? Yeah, yeah, they're both. I like it because they're both three hundred tracks, and to try to do my work at work at, at Iowa State, it was just so weird to see that I'm like over here for the eight hundred and over here for the two hundred or whatnot, and then come back to Carroll Carroll University. And then do a workout that Tuesday, and then beyond our our track is we have only three three lanes, and the lane closest to the bleachers is 150 meters, so we and so it's ten and a, ten and three fourths laps a mile. So it's just like beyond that, and I'm going. Well, this track's so uh, uh, so enclosed, and they're like, yeah, Rubis, you were just on Iowa State's track. Get over it. So I can have people that do that to me and make me realize, yeah, I've been on a good track or whatnot. So, yeah. You get one indoor track and one outdoor track. You get to run the rest of your life. Bracken was probably going there. Um, You only get one. Which indoor track are you picking to do all your workouts and races on and which outdoor track are you picking to do all your workouts and races on? My favorite outdoor still still Carroll Colleges. I mean it feels like my second home to me. And indoor I have three but I'm gonna go with because um, I've never been there even though I've been to NAU. Um, I'd have to say Arkansas. Hmm. So yeah. all the national championship events held there. No it just it just looks like an cool and interesting track to run on and and i'll probably get to see hunter wardell (laughs) that's the other reason we did a coaching series a while back and the question we asked all the coaches were if you couldn't coach yourself you had to have someone else coach you who would it be 
And you might be the perfect person to ask. You've had two or 300 coaches, not to mention all the other coaches, the NCAA or professional coaches that you've seen met and run workouts nearby. So at each level, NCAA, pro, and then anyone else out there, who would your top three coaches be that you would, if you couldn't work under anyone else, who would the three coaches be that you would consider? NCAA, it'd have to be Mike Smith. Hard to argue that. Ryan Van Hoy and DJ Taylor. Yeah. Those are my three uh, for professionals. It have, my number one has always been Danny Mackey. Brooks Beast? Yeah, I love, he's like a brother to me. I mean, um, Drew Hunter's mom from Tin Man. Yeah. And then Pete Julian. Yeah. What is it about those coaches? Is it how they write workouts? Is it how they interact with humans? Or is it the success they have? Um, a little bit of all of it. Um, all that, plus they treat their athletes not only as a runner, but as a human being. Mm. And I think that's the coolest thing. If you can treat your runners not just as a runner, but as a human being and asking them how they're doing mentally and physically... I mean, because of it, I started, because of the Tin Men guys, they've started mindfulness, and I started that stuff with them, and and, uh, Sam Parsons has taught me a lot about mindfulness and whatnot, so it's helped me me immensely, and um, yeah. Sam's raced well recently. Yeah. Okay, so not to dive down the negative hole, and I don't want names, but it seems like you just have the free access, open source, everywhere you go. <laughs> have you had people stonewall you, turn you away, not give you the time of day? Yeah. Does it happen often, or is it the rare exception when someone wants nothing to do with you? It It makes me feel like, uh, well, I have a story about that. It's during the pandemic. And I went to uh, one of the private high schools in the Phoenix area that a lot of the professionals were were at, and they got to race there and whatnot. And I'm like, if they can do it, I probably can do it. But the uh, guy, security guy, said we don't we won't let you run on the track and whatnot. And then. I put up a post about me not getting to run there and how is it that the professionals can run there and I can't. What's so special about them versus me? And uh, I got messages back from one of the runners on the team. He's like, let me talk to my coach and whatnot. But I haven't never heard back from the guy or the coach. So it's like every time I go, go there to watch either a race there when I saw Alice Wright beat the one hour mark, uh, meter mark, and got one hour mark. I was just like, in my head, I was feeling like, this is a track that I can't run on. This is a track that I can't run on. So, and same with the ASU, but I understand where, where, where they come from with that. And, uh, 
it was like when I did get to run on there, I was a guest of uh, Craig Engels. That'll open some doors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the head coach at the time was like, what the heck are you doing here? You're not a professional and whatnot. And then Craig goes, he's a guest of mine. And that shut him up big time. So, That's cool to see. Yeah. I've always yeah. liked that guy. Yeah. Craig Engels strikes me as the Aaron Newell of track and field, Kirk. A little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So bit. even Derek Rubis has some doors closed to him. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, I was booted off the track of the school I used to teach at. (laughs) (laughs) Taught and coached, I wasn't allowed to run on the track. You jumped the fence and they busted you and you couldn't talk your way out of it? I actually slithered in between the the fence and the gate. I I didn't go over. I've done that that with my high school and nobody ever says anything. Yeah. Derek, I wanted to ask you, um, as we're going to work towards wrapping this thing up. um, Okay. You got a ton of tattoos, man. Twenty-five, to be exact. What do they all got? What do they have meaning to you? Do they? What's What's the reasoning behind your choices there? Because I can see your shoulder and your arm all tatted up. And um, tell me more about that. Some of them were bets again uh, that I had with runners from the team, like uh, my uh, Arkansas one. I had a bet with Dom Scott, and she kind she. She probably doesn't remember this, but she texts me, uh, win, engagement, and tattoo. And I go, what the heck are you talking about? She goes, we won our first title ever indoors. I got engaged, and you have to get the tattoo. So some of them are like bets. Some of them are like... That's not a bet. That's peer pressure. (laughs) It it was a bet test. Um, Some of them... Like my Minnesota one that I just got, it's uh, it's a tribute to like Gabe and my dad because they both went to University of Minnesota. Uh, FSU was because I said if two of these guys get into the top twenty, I would I get it. And my NC State one was if the girls won the title in twenty twenty one, I'd get it. So, yeah, and I when I'm down here in Santan. I get the F-U, N-A-U, because people look at my tattoos and they go F-U, N-A-U. But when I go up to Flagstaff, it's F-U, B-Y-U, because they're right next to each other. So, yeah. Are they all college logos? No, I have uh, Nick Simmons' uh, uh, run gum tattoo. I have Nick Simmons' actual uh, signature tattooed on me. Do you have a UW Oshkosh tattoo? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah, I have Mickey Mouse ears on the back. And in each one, one's for University of Oregon, one's Oregon Track Club, and the bottom one is the checkers for Oshkosh. Heck yeah, you do. That makes yeah. me proud. Yeah. That's one tattoo we share. I have an Oshkosh tattoo on my thigh, so. Yeah. You got, I bet you don't have a uh, Whitewater tattoo. No. No Willie the Warhawk? No, there's a few that I still, still I bet what I still have to get, like a Wisconsin, uh, Kansas, uh, running public. No, um, Virginia, Virginia <laughs> Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, and Washington. Yeah, but then, then there's a few uh, on the Matthew Sentowitz one that he has, like father, like son. 
And then there's a few that I want to get that are non-running related. If you ever want a, uh, the running pub public tattoo, we'll sponsor that for you. you just, okay. You, you send the word and we'll, we'll be <laughs> proud to stamp that on you, all right? Do I get to pick the location? <laughs> Where would you pick? Oh, I, I can't I can't come up with it on the spot. I'd have to see the full canvas to see where it belongs. Yeah. <laughs> so Derek, you've you're you're staring at several months ahead of you of not smooth sailing. What will be your first thing you're going to do race wise? What's gonna go on your agenda for when you ring that cancer bell and you're free and clear? I hope by October I get to race again. Because one of my favorite races is the Nikki Hiltz Pride 5K. Okay. And she's going to do it in October. So I'm hoping that I get to run that race. Okay. And if people want to be a part of this with you, they know you've got uh, surgery coming up with no running afterwards. You said colostomy big. That's tough running after in that. You know, so you've got... You've got an extended period without your savior, as you put it. And people, if they want to be a part of that, help out, provide a distraction, where do you want them to reach out? Just, if I'm feeling down, just call me and talk to me about any little thing or get me on a, get me on a, my, pod, uh, my bucket list of podcasts I want to be on so that I can talk about this so I'm not not focusing on on my cancer at the time now not everyone has your number and i wouldn't ask you to give it out in the <laughs> podcast so social media wise if they want to reach out and just let you know they're they're here where where is your preferred social media um any of them uh any one of them i don't really care how do they find you um i'm derek.rubis on instagram because I got hacked before. Of course. And then um, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Derek, Mario Roma, Garcia, and Garcia Roma Rubis, um, Derek Rubis on Facebook, and uh, you can just find me on, I don't even remember what my one is on Snapchat, so yeah. It's D-E-R-E-K. Yeah, well, I suppose you'll see that in the episode title. But yeah, um, I do have one other question now that just popped into my head as we're closing out. Um, you consume a lot of running media, and I think it's always deserved to give um, our listeners some other listening options, some podcasts that you really enjoy. And I would say you probably know the running podcast space better than anybody. Where would you direct anybody what uh, to some other podcasts, and what would they be if you if people want to spread their wings a little bit? Um. Emma Abrahamson has a good one. What's the name of it? Emma Abrahamson. It's uh, cold uh, combos over cold brew. Mm, I see that pop up, and when I look up mm-hmm. the running, uh, uh, it's yeah. it's one of my favorites. She does everything. Okay, okay. and then um, sit and kick. I love that one, and then the Sidious Meg one is a good one. So those three are my like ultimate favorites, and I listen to a lot of uh, Rick Roll stuff. Hmm. Okay, that's one. That's one I, wa- I always want to be on, but I know I'll never get on. <laughs> okay, so you got Rick Roll, Sit and Kick, Convo over Cold Brew, and Sidious Mag. 
and the running public. They all pop up at the same time with a fresh episode. Which one are you clicking on first? Depending on who they have as a guest. Well, Derek Rubis. They all have you on as the guest. Uh, probably you guys. That's that's the correct answer. I set you up. And it's okay if it went to bed. I like it. All right. My closeout question, Derek. I'm a shoe guy. You can see it on the wall behind me. <laughs> what are you running in, racing in? What do you use? Um, I'm doing the, both of the Tin Man shoes. I'm doing Tin Man Spikes and then the Tin Man Boston 10s right now. How do you like those Boston 10s? I'm in love with them. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a do-it-all shoe? Yeah, but I'm loving the Tin Man Spikes like nobody's business. It's like that that and uh, uh, the Lemonades from Brooks are my two favorite spikes. Okay. Yeah. Boston 10s are on sale right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I got rid of all my Nike stuff. I'm like, if they're going to screw over my friends... I'm not going to be part of them. That's right. Burn it down, Ruby. Yeah. Burn it down. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say, Derek, before we sign off, sir? Just thank you for everything. Thank you for letting me on this podcast. And Kurt, thanks for letting me uh, have my own voice after uh, what what you put out there. Yeah, of course, man. There's a lot of people that are going to get a lot out of this, brother. So thank you. Yeah. It's been our pleasure, Derek. We'll see you soon. Bye.